stories turn songs into symphonies, events into memories, and lives into legends. In our crowded world, knowing your story cuts through the noise so you can make your mark, whether you want to sell more books, increase profits, or just make a difference. At Sterling & Stone, story is our business. The Story Studio Podcast is where we explore ways we can all tell our stories better. And now, with the Story Studio Podcast, number 47, here's Johnny, Sean, and Dave. Hey, welcome to the Story Studio Podcast. Um, today, I think we're going to try, we're going to talk about another popular m- movie franchise, and, but um, I don't think we're going to, we'll probably spoil it a little. We'll so let's just say, little, yeah, let's yeah. just say, as a matter of fact, we're going to spoil it. Like, let's not even try to dance around it. Um, so we're going to talk. I think you can have a, a legitimate conversation if like, if well, we you're going to spoil something yeah. like you might you spoil, right. Yeah. Like we, we could say we won't spoil the ending, but we're going to spoil shit through. So for, for bird box, um, it's on Netflix and it's not even very long. I want to say it's, well, maybe it's two hours. I thought it was like an I, hour and a half. I think it's an hour 45 or something. Yeah. Okay. It's, it, it's breezy. So either just let us spoil it. Or just take an hour and three quarters and watch it. No big deal. It's not like The Haunting of Hill House, which is hours and hours. Um, so anyway, so we're going to talk about that, but not just in terms of the the, the movie and the twist that they used, and but um, sort of what it represents in terms of for us as authors, for other people who might be where we are as authors, all that stuff. So, uh, so Dave introduced this to us just like everything yeah, else. I think. Yeah, Dave should start this because he he read the book. He loved the book. He recommended the book. I think it's the only fiction book he read last year. And he got past the wedding scene, which is really impressive if you know Dave. Um, And uh, when it came out on Netflix, uh, he's like, you guys got to watch this. You should really watch it. And Dave was like, you know, uh, I don't know. He heralded it early because this is the most popular film Netflix has ever done. I don't think it's their best, but I do think it's good um, and good for them to have the amount of you know attention that's had on it. And it it is a new way of making films. And we'll talk about Bird Box today, of course, but there's a couple of other just Netflix things that should be a part of this conversation because how it relates to us and how it relates to you is that the model has changed. Um, you know, D- Dave was telling us before the the, the show started that. You know, the book was a modest seller. It wasn't like this huge, huge book at all. Um, but it was, you know, it was a successful book. It got adapted. But now they can't even keep it stocked in Target, right? So that can happen to anybody. That's what we're very much trying to do right now with the things that we're shopping this year um, is get a hit out there. And our entire back catalog then is all of a sudden worth a lot more money. And uh, and, and that's just a really interesting yeah, John. yeah. I'm, well, it's it's a little like um, the metaphor of you know an indie author is somebody who's basically trying to start a fire, right? You're trying to get some success, and so you rub two sticks together and you get a match, and you kind of just feed it as it goes. And what I feel like we've done, and I think that a lot of people who maybe work for a while before having something break out, I feel like what we've done is we've built a really, really elaborate structure for a fire like we put the the brush in there and the kindling there's giant fucking logs over it and it's ready to be like a, a bonfire you could see from space and we just haven't lit the match and that's no, kind I of it, yeah. it's more like we're what do you call those like a rube goldberg machine because <laughs> we're just all like we just haven't pushed the ball we haven't pushed the ball because we have to get crazy and elaborate you know before 
Well, we, know, we haven't yeah. pushed the ball too because nobody's pushed the ball for us yet, right? Like that's not entirely within our control, unfortunately. And that's like we just keep okay eventually because you know I think of um and I don't know how um, Andy Weir did with the Martian. I know the Martian itself is obviously huge. I'm sure he wasn't complaining at the money it gave him, but I there couldn't have been a long tail on that because the next book took a long time. Wasn't even did he did he release the second book? He did, didn't he? he- he did release it, um, but it took a long time. It was like two years it, later. But it also wasn't anything like The Martian. Right. And, you know, not that it needs to be, but if you're only writing every few years and your books aren't really connected or even that similar, you're going to have a really hard time. Well, I mean, these are these are kind of shitty examples because, like, nobody's going to feel sorry for Andy Weir's success or the other example I was going to give, which is... Um, or Fifty Shades of Grey, like obviously she's swimming in money, no problems. But there's still only three books. So what we've done is we have so much stuff that's that's immediately in any funnel. So the um, uh, our fat vampire option just renewed, um, and we have some other stuff that could go any moment in terms of a of a of a, a sale of a of an option. And any of those things have many books that would in a series. So like the Martian could only raise the Martian. Um, but like any of our books might have seven books in a series or something like that. But in addition, anybody's like, if a Sean and Dave book goes, then Sean is the connection to all the Sean and Dave books, but also there's a Platt there and Platt also wrote this stuff with this guy Truant and then, you know, our bigger world stuff. So it's just like, that's where I'm really interested because if we had a bird box breakout or a Martian breakout or something like that, then, there's a lot of there's like a forest fires worth of shit that can happen all at once. Yeah, because you'd have different tiers. You'd have some people who are like, I'm not reading, and you know they're not going to buy the book. Then you have some, but they might who, watch the next movie, and we have a lot of IP that could be made into movies. That's absolutely true. But even if we're just talking about you know people who transfer to books, you're going to have some people who read the book, some people who dabble read a, another couple of books, and then some people who become diehards and read everything. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's, that's what we want. We want that to go deep. So I'm, anyway, back, yeah, Dave. Well, I, I'm surprised that people, the people that are running out to buy the book, I'm guessing most of them saw the show or the movie on Netflix and they want to read the book. I've never wanted to read a book after seeing a movie ever. I did that with Annihilation. After I saw Annihilation, I wanted to go read the book because I, it, it felt to me like a book that, like a story yeah, a, that they could only adapt so much visually. Did you see Adaptation, Dave? Or Adaptation, Annihilation? No. Um, I bought the I bought the first two books in, in the series. And I rented the movie, but Xbox has like a 14-day window to watch the movie. And I was busy, and <laughs> I didn't realize it was only 14 days instead of 30. So I rented the movie and never even got to watch it. Oh, so well, it's on, it's on Hulu now. So like... Well, I don't have that yet, but okay. Okay. Anyway, it just it, it felt like a sort of thing where it was, I don't know, there's a lot of visually, apparently the original ending was so what the fuck that they had to change it to the what the fuck ending that actually occurred. So Sean and I watched it and it's like one of those endings where you come on and you're like, what the hell just happened? And then we're like, oh, no, 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 that was the mild version. That was the mild, but they, they classed it up and made it more commercial. Yeah, I, I actually can think of a lot of books where I saw the movie and it, it, it inspired me to read the book. Um, the, the Godfather is probably the first one where I'm like, okay, I really want to see this. Because I get curious, like, especially as somebody who's adapting 
right now. I, I want to see what the, the source material is. Um, the biggest disappointment, one of my least favorite books of all time, and it may have been colored by the movie itself because it, it just subverted my expectations so much, is Forrest Gump. So, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I saw Forrest Gump when it came out. I think that was 93. And I read the book either the same year or the next year. And I hated it. Like, <laughs> I hated it, like, with a deep, 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 deep passion. Like, it's just not, like, here's just one change. I mean, there's so many. But the reason that Jenny likes um, Forrest in the book is because he has a giant dick. I'm not kidding. That's not me being funny. That's the reason stated in the book that Jenny likes Forrest is because he's just got this giantness. And he's like a huge, like he's huge. He's just this giant of a man, not Tom Hanks. But there's just so many, it's a, it's a fundamentally different story. And I just don't even know where Forrest Gump came from you know, for the source material. So yeah, I, I like, I, I do get that, Dave. Well, let's circle back it. on Bird Box, Dave. So what, what, um, you read well, the book uh, Ray, first. I, and- I, yeah, I got the book years ago and I, it's one of those rare instances. How old is it, Dave? Uh, I, four years, maybe. I'm not sure. Uh, whenever it came out, I got it though. And it's one of those instances where I got the book based on the cover alone because there's a, it's a beautiful cover of of the moon. Pretty much was was all it was, in uh, fog. And they change the cover now because of the show. Unfortunately, Uh-oh. you can probably find the original. Yeah, cover, yeah, yeah. do a Google image search. Uh, but 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 I love that uh, cover so much, and the 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 premise seemed cool. Um, Basically, uh, some weird apocalyptic event occurs like immediately and people that see these things go mad and kill themselves. Most of them, not everybody. Um, And this woman has to navigate to safety blindly um, up a river to save her children. And the premise seemed cool on you know this is way before a quiet place where they kind of did a similar it thing very, that, yeah I, that's I, I made that comparison too yeah i don't know if this is accurate or not but w- after watching this i totally felt like someone in march <clears throat> of last year at netflix was like what other sense <laughs> right and like that was the bird box existed they're like okay well, let's get this out because it did have those they're making I feel like it sold way before then though uh, they're gonna make a movie next year about a guy who can't taste anything <laughs> yeah <laughs> a fat guy <laughs> um so yeah I, I i love the book i i love um i there's a few things i really loved about the book uh one was how it bounced back and forth between timelines of when the event was occurring um, and when she was trying to get these kids to safety. And there's a span of a few years uh, that passed in between. And I thought that was really cool that they were able to juggle these two timelines. Um, the book does it the same way, Dave? Pretty much the same way. There's there's some differences between the, the movie and the book. And uh, a lot of them I actually like more. Uh, one of the things I felt, one of the things I felt was missing from the book, was there the the climactic part at the end where she's in the forest? We're going to be spoiled. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to spoil. No, no. I think know. go ahead and spoil it. I think that that's we we said we were gonna right. 
It's oh, a deeper okay. conversation if you're actually able to say what you mean. Okay, so where she's in the forest, and the kids are in the forest, and they're all split up, and they're hearing uh, the voices tricking them to come. That wasn't in the book, and I thought that that was uh, it, the book's ending felt a little like just there to me. It, it didn't feel like uh, like a big climactic buildup, and that was fine because. I enjoyed the journey of the entire book as a whole, but I felt that the the movie got that part a little bit better. They amped it up right before the ending. I felt that they needed to do something there and they did. And yeah, there, there was quite a few changes from the book to the movie. Uh, John Malkovich's character was not in the book. And oh, he I thought, wasn't. No. <laughs> he was a great addition. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is a rare instance where I thought, I loved the book, but I thought the 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 movie was better. Um, hold on, what was the other thing? Um, Wait, let, let's stick with John Malkovich okay. for a second because th- th- that that character is that surprises me that he's an add-on because I felt like the story needed him. They needed that. Uh, did they have somebody else <laughs> like that, or no? How did they get that angry tension in there? I'm trying to remember. Uh, I feel like there was a character that might have been a little surly, but not quite like that. Like he, he was like way different. Um, so for for those of you who haven't seen it, uh, the 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 John Malkovich character is just kind of an alcoholic asshole. Like he loses his wife. He doesn't want the Sandra Bullock character to come in um, into the house where they're all safe. Um, he's just really aggressive. Um, he's homophobic. He's he's just everything that we hate. <laughs> right? He's got a gun, <laughs> and he's got a gun. Um, and and John Malkovich plays the hell out of him, like you would expect him to. But I feel like the tension in the house kind of revolves around him. So um, I'm curious how they would have uh, had those same elements in the book. So. Um... Yeah, there, there there is tension. Uh, most of the tension in the in in the book comes from uh, the the guy that shows up with the drawings. He's actually there a little bit longer in the book. Uh, they they meet him. Uh, I believe he found them outside. I don't remember exactly, but his character his character was interesting because in the book, like she was suspicious of him, like early on and was trying to find his notebooks. He had these notebooks and he had written down like these diaries. He didn't draw them out, which was also different. Uh, Cause, and, and I thought this worked well, although I would have liked them to stretch it out. But I mean, given all that happens, they couldn't have done that. Um, but in, in, in the book, he had like written all these note, diaries of what had happened in the other house. And she, she sneaks to get it and, then she realizes, holy shit, he's the guy that went nuts and you know killed everybody, whatever. But in the in the in the movie, he's drawn out these creatures and they look very Lovecraftian, which I liked actually. Um, so yeah, that was a, a bit different in a better and worse way, I guess. Uh, I I like that he drew these Lovecraftian monsters because those are pretty you know spooky looking and. What from an article I'd read that, that they were going to at some point show the monsters, which would have been a huge mistake. No, they, they weren't. Did. Yeah, they weren't going to show the monster. The, the monsters in general. They had one monster, um, 
which looks really stupid. I've actually seen it, <laughs> and they they did pull it. Um, and 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 it, like you have to, it keeps disappearing. So like I saw a picture of it on Slash Film, but by the time I clicked on the article, it had already been taken off Instagram. So I I actually went hunting for it because I wanted to see it. Because, and the only reason I wanted to see it was because everyone who talked about it talked about how stupid it looked. <laughs> so I'm like, I want to see it. But what it was was the so the the creature looks different for everybody, and so it's basically making you look into your your worst fear. And so Sarah Paulson, who plays Sandra Bullock's uh, sister in the beginning, you just see her talking. Oh, actually, I don't remember what she sees. It's John Malkovich's wife who sees her mom. She's talking to her mom, and Sandra Bullock tells him that, and he says but her mom's been dead for years, right? So you, you know that it's like whatever you're, you can't process. Now, uh, Sandra Bullock's damage is that she doesn't want to have a baby. Um, you know, she, she's pregnant. She doesn't think she's going to be a good mom. She's terrified of having a baby. And so the thing that she sees is this big, giant baby, which... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a big, like, it looks like a big baby that's been kind of, like, stretched like taffy. It's really dumb. Like, if they had put that in the movie, I guarantee the movie would not be nearly as successful. It'd be a meme. And so, well, like... It is a meme, actually. The, 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 the movie is a meme. <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, well, <laughs> well, okay. I, I actually want to talk about that. So the one thing that I really loved about this story was that they had, you know, this is your worst fear, but then they had people who were so dark that it didn't bother them. Like they, what they wanted was to make other people see it. And it, you know, it's like they were there to kind of help pass on the virus. So they couldn't be, they couldn't be corrupted because they were already corrupted as humans. Yeah. It, it, it affected insane people differently. Uh, they became more homicidal, I guess, than suicidal. Yes. Right. Right. Uh, but yeah, the, in one of the reasons that this movie's kind of taken off is partially because of the meme culture. Uh, everybody's doing like the bird box challenge and stuff. Uh, What's the bird box challenge? Blindfolding themselves and doing stupid shit. Uh, oh, wow. That sounds as good as, do you remember when, was it Varsity Blues or something that came out and they were like, people are laying in the middle of the road. <laughs> yeah, that was probably more popular than uh, the movie was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so so that uh that meme is like helped propel it and like people that you know wouldn't normally care about the movie uh or might not have heard about it you know hear about it through the memes and like what's everybody doing what's this crazy bird box challenge thing so uh it's achieved like a sort of super success because of that in pop culture references well that's the same power What's really impressive about Bird Box is that right away, I mean, we're talking about right when it launched, it had 45 million people watching. And what's interesting about that number is that, um, you know, Netflix was just like dropping the mic because they don't, they don't share their data. They don't tell people, um, you know, how many, how many viewers are watching Orange is the New Black, a House of Cards or whatever. They'll say, this show is popular. This show has one viewer, Dave, over and yeah. over. <laughs> But but for this, like they were on like a week later, they're like, yeah, 45 million people stream Bird Box because they that's just extraordinary. And I don't even know what to say to that. Um, 
both of you guys, how do you feel Bird Box compares to some of the other Netflix original stuff that you've seen? Um, I thought it was good. I did not by any means think it was earth shattering. I think that it had, I think it had a really good hook, much like a quiet place had a really good hook. The idea of being blind. And I thought that it told, it was, it was a good story. I enjoyed it, but I didn't think it was groundbreaking at all. I, um, I don't know. I wanted more on what was going on with that monster because so for instance, like let's say they're seeing something that looks creepy to them in some way, shape or form it made them all kill themselves. So what is it that makes you kill yourself, not just run away from it? If you saw that big baby thing or whatever, wouldn't you like run from it? Why would you kill yourself? Well, yeah, it's triggering some sort of insanity. Um, I, I thought it was a very solid B movie. Um, if I'd gone to the theater, um, I'd probably have been a little bit less impressed. It did um, release in the theater as well. I didn't screens. know that. Yeah, a no, few I didn't know that. Okay, so that that's interesting. Did you did either of you see Roma yet? No. Do you know much about Roma? A little bit. So you can tell us. You know all about it. You've seen it. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually have seen it, um, and, and I, I was underwhelmed. I, I need to see it again because I know like it's supposed to be amazing, and I do love Alfonso Cuarón, but it's the it's this thing where. Um, the first time I saw a billboard for it, I was actually in a car with Johnny. Um, we were in LA and, and there were billboards everywhere for Roma. And uh, I love that you I was get billboards for movies and I get like no billboards. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, in LA, that's what all the billboards are. All the billboards are TV shows and movies, like all of them, like in the area where we were. Um, and so uh, I get billboards of aborted fetuses. Okay. That's there we go. It's all right. <laughs> This is For the real? show of the year. <laughs> Welcome to 2019, ladies and gentlemen. So, um, yeah, I was really excited to see, uh, uh, you know, uh, Alfonso has made um, Children of Men, uh, Little Princess, uh, Gravity was, was great. Um, he's also the one who gave Harry Potter balls, I think, because... You know, <laughs> uh, I, I, I noticed that in the director's cut. <laughs> the first two movies are very um, Chris Columbus. They're very safe. They're very, um, they're, they're literal translations of the book. They don't really have the soul that I think that the, the franchise got from there forward because he made really good choices like, let's put Harry in a hoodie so he looks like an actual teenager. Um, you know, instead of just having him in his wizard robes and all of that, he, that movie to me felt real because watching the kids in hoodies and jeans made them feel like, like actual teenagers that you could relate to. And he had like a darker palette. He's just a really good filmmaker. So anyway, Roma is this largely personal movie. Um, you know, it's black and white. It's subtitled. Um, he got $15 million to make it. And this is the guy who made Gravity. And Gravity was a huge, huge juggernaut. Um, and this is the first film he's made since then. And, you know, nobody wanted to give him money to make his little personal black and white whatever movie. And Netflix did. Netflix stepped up and said, okay, um, you can have $15 million and you can have Final Cut, which were the two things he was asking for. Um, and, uh, you know, the movie did underwhelm me a little, but I think you need to, like, if I'd seen it in a theater, it would have been a much better experience. My children were loud and obnoxious at the time. We made the mistake of seeing, seeing it on date night at home. <laughs> and Why it would just, you watch that with your kids? 
Well, we, no, we didn't. That's oh, the okay. point. We were watching it by ourselves, and then they were just like around and loud. And I think they were being purposely being around sucks. So um, I think it's a movie that required more of my attention than I gave it. But that's that doesn't even matter. The point is that this is exactly the kind of movie that the Oscars usually slobber all over. And this year is a little bit. It'll be interesting to watch because the nominations are, are soon, I think within a week or two. Um, and it'll be interesting to see both how it does, how it fares in nominations and how it fares in awards. Because the people who have to vote for both the nominations and the awards are kind of, they have to decide, are they casting a vote towards the, the film itself and the art that it's standing for or the industry that they work in? Because Netflix is very anti-Hollywood as far as the industry goes. They released Roma in, I think, three theaters. It's playing or maybe five. It's playing one theater here in all of Austin. And um, I wish that we had made the choice to go and see it in a theater. Like, uh, it was playing 70 millimeter. Um, I'm sure it would have been grand, and I would have been immersed instead of you know, watching it streaming. And it's, it's an interesting case because the people who are really vigilant about we need to keep the theater experience this is actually a pretty good example i had a much more diluted thing so anyway i Roma relates to bird box in that way because they are we saw this year or i guess last year at this point we saw netflix really trying to elevate the quality of what they're doing not just with television but with actual movies yeah um yeah i a lot of theaters you know, don't want to carry Netflix films because they, they view Netflix as a threat. They don't want to work it's with an them. enemy. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Uh, as far as where it stands in comparison to other Netflix movies, I liked it a lot. Uh, I think if I'd gone to a movie theater, I might've expected more special effects or something. Just, yeah, you would have expected more. Yeah. Uh, maybe a slightly bigger budget. It, and I don't, I don't like that. Like there's a certain look, uh, that you that you want from a movie, seeing a movie theater, and uh, you're a little more forgiving when you're watching it on at home on video. Uh, this also, I felt, you know, I'm surprised, you know, they didn't make this into a mini series or something. They could have done that. It would have been better as a mini series, I think for uh, sure. I um, still liked it. I felt tense throughout it. I there there was no, um, you know, I I feel that the ending in both the book and the movie could have been a little bit better. Um, yeah, it just kind of ended for me. Yeah, that I, I think that's, but but I felt all the tension. I enjoyed all the the character arcs. Uh, one thing I am curious about though is whether or not, um, <clears throat> you know, Josh Mallerman is the author of the book, and he's written a few other things. And uh, I believe something else will get adapted. Well, I I, I know that he's optioned other stuff, and but I'm curious, like how tempting it's going to be to go back to that well to write a, another bird box type book. Cause they easily could in the world. Oh, very. And, and at this point with 45 million people, you know, watching it, all of those people will get an email. If there's a bird box two or a good bird box series, or they'll get the bird time. box Demic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but also like, I don't know if Netflix needs him or not. Like, I don't know what his contract is. They might not even need him to write. They could just do it without him. It's probably uh, still, yeah, it's probably still his IP. I mean, he probably gets an episodic royalty. So like they probably don't have to buy the rights again, but they have to pay him for new stuff. But, but I am curious, like I, he's, he, he didn't, he doesn't strike me as a fast writer. Uh, so 
like how quickly could he turn something out if he is so tempted uh would it would it ruin whatever else he's writing would it be like one of those instances where he you know you only have so long to strike while the iron's hot before people forget about it and like I, I i'm wondering like i'd love to have him on the show and ask him like you know how, how is that affecting him creatively like how much pressure does he have now with the next thing he's writing or the thing after that uh like how this success affects him in both positive and negative ways. Well, no, that's a, that's a great question. And I think that's what excites me so much about this current state of Netflix and streaming altogether is that if we get the lightning strike, well, we can adapt in whatever way. Like if they take something and say, okay, now it's going to be TV and we need new, whatever new content is needed as a company, we'll be able to support that content. We're pliable and we're fast. We're also willing to write to spec. That's come up a few times. Well, what do you need? Okay, we'll write that. Uh, oh, I, I did want to go back. One of the things I, I kind of glossed over was one of the things I loved about Bird Box was that um, you knew what the characters knew, which was not very much. And I love mystery in a book. And that's one of the reasons, like, like the ending, although some people felt it wasn't, you know, this amazing ending, uh, I liked it because it felt realistic and like, it still made me wonder, like after I finished a book, I was still wondering like what was going on? Like uh, what else is happening in that world? And I think when, when you're allowed to kind of, you know, try to wonder about what's happening when it sticks with you after you've read it, that's a sign of a good book. So, and I think it worked for the book and the the movie. I just read a short story. Um, um, from you <laughs> that operated exactly the same way. I read it today and it's the, it's the under the skin. Right. And oh, yeah. it was the same thing. It had like this build up, this build up, this build up, and I'm, I'm waiting to see what's going to happen. And then I get there and it just ends. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I don't have an answer for that. Are you kidding me? I don't get to know anything, but that really works in a short story. Yeah. You know, but I think in a in a longer form, I think I do want more answers. I'm much more forgiving a lack of answers in a short story because it's a short. It's like you're pulled out of the, the narrative. Where a, a longer book, I, I want all my acts. I want a conclusion. Well, well, one of the things about the ending, uh, the, the 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 very ending of the book and the movie is she, she basically she finds safety at this place, which is a school for the blind. But in the book it's a little bit darker in that you find that I don't know all of the people, but most of the the people that were first there gouged their own eyes out or blinded themselves <laughs> to protect themselves from seeing these things. And I okay, thought that I was that had been in the movie actually. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know why it wasn't, it could have been, I mean, the, uh, the director wanted a more hopeful sort of ending. And I don't know that that would have been so horrible of an ending because they're still alive. Yeah. I don't think it would have contradicted the hopeful ending. Right. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen some people with either hollowed eyes or like blindfolds or something, you know, just so like, well, that's, or a lot of sunglasses, you know? Um, but, but, but yeah. Um, so just to circle back, would you say that they're kind of opposites where if you had seen this in the theater, as a theater going experience, Bird Box would have left something to be desired. It really was better to see a Hollywood-ish movie, but a little bit pared down. It's more like a directed DVD type of movie, right? Well, it, it, well I, I hate to say that because that has like, 
Like, I don't view it as a B movie. Uh, I view it as a a good low budget movie. Like, A Quiet Place was a low but budget. Isn't a movie. good low budget? Isn't isn't a good low budget movie a B movie? I mean, well, when you, I think B movie, I think of like campy crap that I just want. No, do you know where the term B movie comes from? Go ahead and inform me. <laughs> so, so B B movies are from the old studio days when uh, <clears throat> when they would have you know like they'd have their A movies and they'd have their B movies. And you'd have the A lot and the B lot. And the B movies would just get like, you know, uh, they had like a slightly different scheme. You know, the, the writers were different. And they, because back in the studio system, everyone was under contracts, writers, actors, everyone. So you'd have your A actors, you'd have your B actors. And Casablanca was actually born as a B movie. It's one of the best films of all time. But it was it was studio, it was production, and it was born as a B movie. And so there's nothing disparaging necessarily about a B movie. Okay, it is it, it, it that Bird Box to me is very much the definition of a B movie. But it was very well done. But at this point, I don't want to see a B movie in the theater. I want to see a B movie in the comfort of my own home. Yeah. Where Roma was not a B movie. Roma was an A movie that. I think I robbed myself of the experience of seeing that in the context that it deserved to be seen. And so I'm like, meh. And I think the movie deserves more than that. So it's just interesting to contrast those two films and really see where Netflix is going, you know? Like Inception is a good example of a movie that I want to see in a theater. I'll, yes. I'll enjoy it at home, but it's not the it's same. It's not the same. Yeah. Because, okay, that's a great example because everything about that is A. Not only do you have an A director, an A writer, an A cast, you also have a score. You know, that, that Hans Zimmer score is just yeah. crazy good. And you kind of need the theater. Now, you can see it again at home, but, like, I saw that one on opening night. You know, oh, I've watched it many times on, you know, Blu-ray, and I, I still enjoy it, but I, that first experience, that that meaningful experience was in the theater. Have you seen all of Nolan's movies in the theater? Pretty much. Oh, I haven't seen all of his movies. There's a few I haven't, but every one I have seen, I saw in the theater first. I haven't seen Including all Memento. The <laughs> yeah, I think me too. I saw Memento. In the theater. I've seen them all in the theater. Opening I day saw- for Memento. No, I didn't see the uh, Batman movies in the theater. I didn't. Oh, yeah, I did. I, I think I've seen all of his stuff, like, on opening day. Oh, no, that's oh, not last... true. I saw at least some of them in the theaters. The last Batman movie I didn't see in the theater, and I know that we, you guys did, and I hadn't been able to, so I, that's the only one I didn't see. Oh, I don't even remember that. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, so any final thoughts on Bird Box? It was cool. Great. It was a lesson in uh, adaptation. It was less than... Yeah, it's super good B-movie, but I think I'm, I'm more curious... Um, um, I'm, I'm more curious as to where where Netflix and streaming. Yeah, I want to learn from the lightning strike of it and the, the yeah. strategy going forward for sure. I mean, we are in a, a phase right now where honestly, a, a part of me is like, okay, I want to get our foot in the door before this gets overcrowded and it becomes the new indie marketplace. Because that's like there, you, there was a time when it was easy to sell books as an indie author. And now it's just so there's like this glut and there's a problem where it's hard to find good stuff and there's a lot of shit that's visible. And so it's harder. And I know that there's a lot more gatekeepers obviously in video, but I'm like, this is the, these are the golden days. That's why I want to, I want to sell now. I want to ride the wave. All right. So, um, so that's it. So we'll see you in the next one. Thanks for being here. Happy New Year. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Story Studio Podcast. You're invited to join us at the final Smarter Artist Summit on February 18th and 19th in Austin, Texas. Authors and publishing experts from around the world will join us to teach you strategies that will outlast the what's working yesterday tactics everyone else is talking about. Attendance is limited, so reserve your spot at smarterartistsummit.com now.